there's a bunch of Jed de- Jed. Oh my god. <laughs> there's a bunch of dead Jaffa. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate Gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG1. Hello. Hello. Humidity is garbage is your screen name. It sure is. Know why? Because humidity is garbage. <laughs> it's true. That's why my AC is on currently. Yeah, I have mine on, although I'm keeping it at its lowest setting for this recording since it's not that far from the microphone. Fair. Yeah, I turned mine on because I can't turn the fan on in here because the fan is too loud and I would probably die yeah. otherwise because this office gets really warm when oh, there's no I fan. It. On. It's and like it was fine in here, but then the door was open for us to rescue the spider that was in the living room <laughs> from my terror. I guess it's really rescue me <laughs> from the spider. And then that made it really gross and humid in here again. Like, Marr. fair. Anyway, yeah. How's it going? Great. Long time no yeah, talk. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. I ate a sandwich. Awesome. It was tasty. Awesome. Mm-hmm. We did spider rescue. That's about it here. Yeah. I got some coffee. I refilled my water. Nice. Mm-hmm. Perfect. That's. That's about it. Yeah. I complained to Jeff about my sister. <laughs> <laughs> And the salad discussion. Yeah. And her request. And he also thought it was unfair. And he would have been the one ending up going to the store because he was already out and I don't have time today. So yeah. I'm like, I don't want you doing that. So, <laughs> <laughs> Did she respond to your offer to buy salad? Yeah. She just said, never mind. I'm like, all right. Well, if you really want a salad, just buy a salad. <laughs> like I said, I'll pay for it. Yeah. I don't care. But. I don't have the time and definitely don't have the motivation to go to the grocery store today. Yeah. Good grief. Anyway. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Her response was just, never mind. I only just thought of it. She really does think that I just don't do anything (laughs) at all with my time. And granted, I do less than she does because she's got a full-time job and small children and is also in grad school because she takes on too many things. But it doesn't mean I'm not busy. Right. Right. <laughs> I also have a very busy schedule, just busy in different ways. But she assumes that I'm just never busy and not ever doing anything important. <laughs> Fun. It doesn't get more important than this podcast, I don't exactly. think. Exactly. Except for drinking coffee, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and now I've done that too, so. Trying to think of a, a segue. You know what else is important? What's that? Being a firefighter. It is important. That's true. That's an important job. For sure. Yeah. Who's a firefighter? Somehow Teal'c. <laughs> <laughs> or a guy that everyone calls T. T. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is what I generally call him in my notes when I'm shorthanding his name. So. For sure. Yeah. 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 All right. So that's what we're talking about today. Yeah. Teal'c being a firefighter, along with the rest of SG-1, for that matter. <laughs> Yes, in what is season six, episode 19, Changeling. Not really sure I understood the title, but whatever. Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. No, I live too far into the world of Star Trek where changelings are a thing and are a very specific thing. (laughs) Right, I was trying to remember, like, did the changelings have anything to do? Like, when I I was hearing about the name, I'm like, what do changelings have to do with this? Nothing. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Anyway... Episode starts in a hospital. I thought it was an interesting way that they filmed some of these scenes. This one, they have the camera just panning through busy hospital hallways and just seeing all of the things that are happening in the hallway. And then it, the camera enters into an operating room and a doctor comes in. We see the back of the doctor. He's holding his hands out in front of him as though he's just scrubbed in and he comes from across the hall from presumably the scrub room into the surgical suite says let's proceed and the camera zooms over to Tilk as an oxygen mask is being put on his face and then we see that the doctor is Apophis <gasps> and his eyes glow a very very convincing horror face on Christopher yeah. Judge here <laughs> some good face acting the terror was very convincing indeed yeah 
And then Apophis asks for a scalpel. And I was laughing to myself at this point because I couldn't remember whether or not he showed up again in the episode. I was like, I hope they didn't just call him in for this one scene. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be kind of funny, though. It would have been very funny. Then we flash to Tilk waking up and breathing heavily. Apparently, this was all just a nightmare of some sort. He heads to the bathroom and we see his reflection in the mirror. There's no tattoo and no gross pouch because he's not wearing a shirt here. He's also got no eye makeup on. He splashes some water in his face. Jonas comes in to ask T if he's okay, except that it's not Jonas. It's a guy named Proby. (laughs) Turns out that T has been having a bunch of nightmares having something to do with his stepfather, but we don't know what that might be yet. This scene I thought was also interesting because we're seeing almost the entire thing in the mirror reflection. And so both Tilk and Jonas slash Proby are facing into the mirror as they're talking to each other. But then T turns around and so he is facing into the camera, but we're still seeing Jonas blurry over his shoulder so we don't actually see real jonas i don't know i'm probably not explaining it well but i thought it was kind of cool blocking i liked the what they did with it thought it was artistic and and cool t says he's fine tells proby to get out of there yeah and then he looks down and is like something's not right here with my tummy which has no holes in it yeah Yeah. and i wrote no gross pouch nice tummy (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly then suddenly we're back in the SGC. Teal'c is kill no reaming. He does have his tattoo and makeup back, but he still has no pouch. Weird. Which is how things should be, because that pouch is gross. <laughs> and then we have credits. And then there's credits. After credits, we are in the SGC in the cafeteria, mess hall, whatever yeah. they call it. Commissary. Commissary, yep. Sam is looking at her choices of various fruit cocktails and desserts you couldn't see in the scene because we're looking at it through the desserts at sam as she's choosing and i was like where the hell is her jello i was also looking for the jello which you do see a little bit later after she sits down there's a case of jello behind her so i was like oh no what's she gonna do i know but she doesn't take anything because teal comes in to see her (laughs) teal distracts her from dessert choices because he has been having trouble kelnor reaming he says that this is a rare thing to happen, but it can happen, and most often when recovering from an injury. But Sam's like, you seem okay. Want to drink some warm milk? And he says he would prefer not to consume bovine <laughs> lactose at any temperature, which was, was very great. entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. She then offers him some herbal tea. He seems skeptical about it, but he's willing to try that. And she's like, maybe you're just preoccupied. There's a lot at stake. This could be the Rebel Jaffa's last chance. And then suddenly, we are no longer in the SGC. Mm. This was a cool transition, too. Yeah. We are in a firehouse. Yeah. But it's not suddenly, really. Like, the camera pans around Teal'c focused on him. But behind him, the scene blurs. And Sam's suddenly in a different outfit. Yeah. But he's still got his tattoo and is still in the same tank top until yeah. they change the camera view. Yes. It was, yeah, it's, it was pretty cool. This Sam is also talking about him being worried about something. And that's when he turns and we see Jack and when Tilk turns back, his clothes and his tattoo are gone. Yeah. Specifically, she says, it's all over your face to him when he still has the tattoo. And then when he asks yeah. what's on my face, it's no it's longer gone. there, which I yeah. thought was a cool choice. Yeah. And we find out that Tilk has, or T, excuse me, not Tilk. T, 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 has opted to donate a kidney, which that's a kind of big deal. Big major surgery. Yeah. They're having this conversation. Meanwhile, Proby Jonas comes in wearing a pink apron that says new guy. Should we call him Pronus? Pronus, yes. He also, attached to his pink apron, has a teddy bear. I thought that was pretty ridiculous. Yes, I wrote ridiculous and adorable. Yeah. (laughs) I want to know the significance of the nickname Proby. He's the only one that got a completely different name. Yeah, I I mean, he's the new guy, so I guess that's kind of... Is that a new guy nickname? Like, yeah, because the only time I've ever heard it before was in NCIS. The newest member is, like, called Proby, too. So I think it's, like, a probationary new guy thing. 
Proby, noun, informal, a probationer, a firefighter who has re- recently oh. joined a department. Oh, interesting. Okay. okay. Yeah. That's what the Googles said when I just yeah. typed in Proby. And he is the new guy. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. As he's pouring them coffee, he tries to join the conversation, but they give him a look. So he <laughs> goes to leave to check on breakfast. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We find out that T is donating his kidney to someone named Bray. And Bray has done a lot for Teal'c and Teal'c owes him. I'm sorry, T. I'm just going <laughs> to keep saying Teal'c. Because again, yeah, T, Teal'c. The team wants him to consider if there are any other options. They are not 100% sold on this kidney surgery, although it's not really their choice. That's right? Weird. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> just give a kidney to a father or a dad. Just give a kidney. Oh, we hear it does. Also, he's like, it's already booked, and it's the day after tomorrow. So, like, yeah. it's too late, guys. He's in. Uh, he's in. <laughs> yeah. Why is he even there today, though? You like maybe take a day off for yourself. Buddy. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But also, T was talking about how he is a completely perfect match for his stepfather, and the odds of that happening are so ridiculously <laughs> slim. Yeah. Even if you are blood related to a person, the odds that you're going to be a perfect match for an organ donation are still actually really low. So the fact that Bray is supposed to be his stepfather and not actually a blood relation, like yeah. the odds of that are astronomical. But here we are. <laughs> yep. Here we are. Proby comes back with some other Probies. They're all wearing pink aprons, although Probus, is that what, Pronus? Pronus. Pronus. Sorry. <laughs> Pronus. Pronus is the only one who gets a teddy bear. Yeah. Which I don't know why that is. No idea, but it was cute. Seems like he's the head new guy. Yeah. (laughs) And they serve the team breakfast. They don't get to enjoy their breakfast, though, because there's a fire alarm and they've got to go take care of this emergency, which is what they're there for. Indeed. So they all start gathering. A guy comes down a pole. There's lots of bustling. Do you know who that guy that came down the pole is? I didn't see the pole guy, no. Amanda Tapping's real life husband. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I did a little bit of searching on this episode for this scene. Not for that, but I found that in my searching. Cool, cool. Yeah. I did notice Sergeant Siler opens the garage door. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's funny. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Yeah. So I was looking to see what Coquitlam was. Because, oh, I also looked that up. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and it is an actual city outside of Vancouver, like next to it. It means a uh, small red salmon oh. in the local indigenous language. Nice. And it's like two cities over from Vancouver, but it's more inland, but on a river. So plausible there could be salmon there. Mm, salmon. Yeah. So then I was looking to see if they actually filmed this at the fire department, and it didn't oh. say. But in trying to figure out that information, that's where I saw the thing about Amanda Tapping's husband and also learned that this episode was written by Christopher Judge. That I did also find yeah. out. That is very cool. Apparently, the warrior in season five was as well. Yeah. Which was, I didn't realize that. Did we? Maybe we talked about that. I don't, I don't know if we did. I... Because that one, it looked like he was credited with story by, and then there was oh, okay. somebody who was teleplayed by. I don't know. I don't understand the ins and outs of all the crediting that goes on with writers. But Yeah. I would imagine that story is just like the overall arc, but teleplay would probably be the script. Maybe. But yeah, this one is right head on written by Christopher Judge. Fantastic. Yeah. I didn't yeah. notice that in the credits. I just saw that in the IMDb later. Yeah. Yep. Me too. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On their way. The dispatch is telling them over the radio that they are heading to a two-car head-on collision, which it wasn't a head-on collision from what we were seeing later. I guess maybe one of the cars spun around. The accident scene actually made no sense to me, but (laughs) that's okay. Because when they get there, the two cars, it's on a two-lane road, but like with two-way traffic on this two-lane road. The cars are both facing the same direction, though. And they're both angled towards the yellow line in the center. So it looked more like somebody was trying to pass the other person. And then the person that was in the lane 
with the you know it looked like somebody had gone into oncoming traffic to try to pass a car and that the car that had stayed in the regular lane had then angled to crush the other car against the barrier is basically how the cars were actually aligned i did not look to deconstruct how the accident happened i did i was fascinated by it because this happened on a bridge so even if they had hit each other head on there wasn't enough room for the cars to spin around and both be facing the same direction like they were also there was a guy in the road and the guy in the road the only way that they could have gotten there would also make no sense because they would have had to flown out the driver's side window at a perpendicular angle to their direction of travel because they were to the left of the car it would have made way more sense if they had flown out the windshield which is generally where people go when they fly out of a car but no could he have been a pedestrian i guess i don't know (laughs) (laughs) but then there was nobody driving the other car oh yeah there were only three people involved so you would assume the guy laying on the road is probably unless maybe the guy that was driving the car got out and ran so maybe maybe there we go let's assume that he got hit by a car and the driver is just in the wind yeah all right sure (laughs) we don't get any further follow-up details on this accident so we don't know no we don't (laughs) anyway that's just my assumption of how physics works but i'm not a professional at figuring out Yeah. How car accidents occurred. I also want to change my word to crash, not accident. Also, yes, we do say crashes now, not accidents. Or incidents, even. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, they do all their firefighter stuff. They're checking on all the people. (laughs) One of the firefighters checks the pulse on the driver of the other car and shakes his head indicating that the guy is dead and that is not a thing that you would do (laughs) granted it's been a very long time since i had my emt training but first responders aren't allowed to declare anybody dead like even if it's super obvious that they're dead because like they're missing part of their skull or have a gunshot wound directly through their head you can't declare them dead like you can decide all right this person doesn't need treatment but If they just don't have a pulse, you're still supposed to be, like, putting them on a backboard as soon as possible, giving them CPR and AED as soon as possible, rather than assuming that they're dead just because they don't have a pulse. What if they're trying to prioritize who they're saving? They had so many of them there, though. Uh, Fair. Yeah, you would generally triage a person, but there were so many of them there that they could have definitely been doing something to help this guy. Because all firefighters would have been trained in emergency medical. It's not a full-on EMT training, but they have first responder training, which they would know how to use an AED and give CPR to this guy. So, yeah, unless it's, like, super obvious they're dead because, like, they're rigor mortis or have lividity or, like, part of their head is missing or something, you're supposed to treat them like they're still alive and only a doctor and I think maybe a paramedic can officially declare someone dead. Okay. You can assume they're dead if it's obvious because of, like I said, certain types of injuries, but this guy was not obviously dead. I have a completely unrelated question. Yes. Does it count for Teal Catwatch if he doesn't have a tattoo when he's wearing his firefighter helmet? I don't think it does. Okay. Yeah. That is a good question. And I would say no. Okay. Okay. Because he's not hiding his tattoo. I feel like the hat watch has to involve him hiding his tattoo by way of hat. So they continue to try to rescue the kid that's in the car with the supposed dead guy. And there's people tending to the guy that is out on the ground. They realize that there's a gas leak. I think they were actually radioed and warned that there was a gas leak. But now that gas leak catches on fire. And all of a sudden, the dead guy is Bray, Braytac, whatever you want to call him. And Tilk starts flipping out and Bray is yelling at T to save himself but of course T is ignoring that so he tries to smash the windshield with his elbow which you're generally not supposed to get more broken glass on the patient (laughs) but I guess if you're really trying to get him out of there before the car explodes you do what you can but normally you would cover them with something if you need to break a window anyway that's where that scene ends and then we're back in the commissary and Tilk is collapsed on the floor and Sam is calling for help and she gets some. Next, Teal'c is in the infirmary with Dr. Frazier having a look at him. She says, whatever that was, you seem fine. I've never heard of a Jaffa fainting before. That's weird. <laughs> Teal'c insists he did not faint. <laughs> but he did. <laughs> According he sure to Sam. Did. Yeah. <laughs> she asks if this has anything to do with him not being able to kill Noreem. 
Dr. Fraser answers and says that Kelnarim is like sleep in the sense that it's necessary for Jaffa to rejuvenate, but, you know, just one inability to sleep slash Kelnarim wouldn't cause him to faint. And then she's like, would it, Tilk? I thought it was really funny. Like, she's confirming this with him. Yeah. Because Tilk also had a tone in this, like, you don't know anything. Get me out of here. <laughs> when Basically. he's like, no, it would not. Yeah. <laughs> I think he just doesn't like being the center of attention and having everybody worrying over him. Yeah. Was kind of the impression yeah. I was getting in this scene. <laughs> Sam jokes, maybe you were just bored when I was talking. <laughs> Till just stares at her and her face falls. And yeah. I was like, aw. That was funny. <laughs> She's like, all right, well, I'm going to go. Bye. Sam suggests before she leaves to prescribe Tilk some warm milk, which I thought was almost as good as telling Rodney to eat a lemon. So she <laughs> likes to use food to... She does. Threaten, insult people. I don't know. <laughs> and for the record, warm milk does not actually make you sleep. No. Although it was believed it did for a very long time. Yeah. I wonder if it's one of those things where, like, because I find this too, like, if you just sit down with something warm, it's sort of relaxing. Yeah. It's probably more due to like, that yeah. than, because they thought it was like the tryptophan in milk, but there's yeah. not a lot of it in there and that's not enough to really make you sleepy. But yeah, yeah. the act of sitting with a warm drink is soothing enough that yeah. that's probably what does it more than anything else. Yeah. Tilk refuses to stay in the infirmary. Dr. Fraser though wants to run some more tests. She's like, "No, doctor's orders too bad." She tells him to close his eyes and relax, and then she puts her hand on his forehead while he lays down. Like he's laying back and she's like pushing him down. It was kind of weird. <laughs> And Tilk then is like, fine, I'll stay. And then we're in the hospital. Chief O'Neill is there with Tilk. Tilk is in bed. With T. With T. Sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> T tells O'Neill that Bray was in the car and O'Neill is like, what were you, What are you talking about? He wasn't there. He's currently upstairs prepping for surgery and maybe you should delay that surgery. And yeah, they would for sure delay that surgery <laughs> if T had just been partially blown up and lost yeah. consciousness and was in the hospital they're not going to be like well while he's out let's just take his kidney <laughs> no <laughs> we know you want to give it to a superhuman being so get it done we just need one right t just thanks jack for being there for him jack leaves the room and then out in the hall comes across bray and shauna aka shaunak I did think it was a little bit weird that Tilk's wife and son don't make any appearance in this, but Shanak plays his girlfriend or wife or whoever she is in, in this instead. And her name is Shauna now. She asks Jack how he's doing and Bray also wants to know how he's doing. And Jack is like, oh yeah, he's fine. Why don't you go on in and visit? So they do. As... Bray heads into the room ahead of Shauna. She hangs back and asks if T said anything about Bray. And Jack tells her about him thinking that it was the guy in the car. And she's been like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, he's been mumbling in his sleep and I'm worried about him. And maybe it's just this transplant thing. And Jack's like, I don't know. We'll just have the psychologist talk to him. Sure. How about that? <laughs> and that's what they settle on. Yeah. Yeah. Shauna and Shauna, sorry, Shauna and Bray have gone into the room, and Tilk and Shauna are making out while Bray is just looking outside. That's so weird. Yeah, <laughs> it was so weird yeah. to me. Bray is like, "What the hell, man? What were you thinking about the fire? Not about them making out. That would yeah. be extra weird." Yes, it would. <laughs> He's like, "You were being real stupid." And Shauna's like, no, he just wants to help people. But don't worry, it's okay, it's all over, he's fine. Bray says, no, he's not. T's like, no, I'm totally fine. Bray tells him, though, you should be scared. <laughs> Why aren't you burned? The car exploded in your face and you've just got a headache? There's something wrong and you totally know it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, something's going on. Then Tilk wakes up back in the infirmary. Fraser's there. It says, according to his readings, 
he's been fast asleep for most of the night, which surprises Tilk because Tilk doesn't sleep. Yeah. And then he tells Fraser that his mind was filled with images and he was himself yet not really himself. And she's like, yeah, that's called dreaming. Actually, Jack is the one that said that. Jack was there too. Fraser asks if he dreams while he's in Kelno Ream, and that's not how meditation works. So I thought that that was a weird question. Yeah. And Tilk basically is like, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm in complete control of my thoughts. But he talks about how it was so real, and Jack says he loves it when that happens, and then does like a weird thing where he like clicks his teeth together a few times. <laughs> I don't know. It was very weird. <laughs> I missed that. It was quite weird. Frazier says that it's not uncommon to feel a little disoriented after a person wakes up, so it must be extra strange for a Jaffa since sleeping and waking up isn't really a thing that they do. Jack asks Frazier what she thinks of Tilk's health aside from bad dreams and a weird fainting still. Is everything fine? And Frazier's like, yeah, he is totally fine. According to all her tests, he is in perfect health. Jack asks if he can go back to work, and Frazier says as long as there are no more fainting, that should be fine. But maybe just a couple more tests, just in case. Two more minutes. She wants to do one more routine examination on his symbiote. All right. And then suddenly we're back in the hospital. And there's a Dr. Daniel Jackson there to see T. He's a psychologist. Not an archaeologist. Not an archaeologist. Way less sense for an archaeologist to show up to talk to him. (laughs) That is true. T still calls him Daniel Jackson. Mm-hmm. And Daniel's like, no, you can just call me Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> he is there to talk to Teal'c. T thinks maybe they've met before. And Dr. Jackson's like, no, no. Maybe in another life. He says, wink, wink. <laughs> if you believe in that sort of thing. Yeah. Which was making me wonder, is he really there? Is yeah. Tilt just dreaming Daniel Jackson like he's dreaming everyone else? Or is Daniel actually making an appearance? Who knows? He says he's there to possibly talk about T's operation. It could be postponed since you were blown up. But T's like, no, I'm going through with it. This country has 600 million kidneys. And we really only need half. Daniel's like, I didn't say you shouldn't, but, you know, your friends are concerned. So let's uh, let's take a walk and do some talking. So they go outside. Daniel asks about Bray being T's stepfather. And then Teal'c's like, he isn't. I just think of him that way. He raised Teal'c after Teal'c's own father died. T's own father. They're just talking about the explosion that T had thought Bray was in the explosion. T wants to know who told him about that, and Daniel sort of sidesteps that and is like, your friends care about you, and they asked me to see you. He says maybe you're afraid subconsciously about what you're about to do with your transplant, and you're worried you won't be yourself anymore. I'm like, where is this coming from? (laughs) (laughs) Good question. T insists he's not afraid. (laughs) Daniel... (laughs) says he's in denial and until you're willing to let it go he's not gonna be able to help him through the operation (laughs) t says you can't stop me daniel's like yes i can and i will because we don't destroy one person to save another that's not how it works t's like i'm super healthy man but Daniel brings up that he's been having nightmares and that it's a big deal and now he's having hallucinations. So maybe, you know, take a moment here, basically. And then Daniel's like, I gotta go. Your time is up. Your 20 minutes are up. (laughs) Bye. It was a weird scene. It was, quite. (laughs) It makes more sense. It does. Looking back. But yeah, at the time I was like, what was he talking about? Yep. Suddenly... We're in the gate room. The stargate is open. Jack, Sam, and Jonas are all there heading up the ramp and waiting for Tilk to join them. Tilk is dressed in his normal like flak jacket and tank top that he frequently wears through the gate, but he's super disoriented. Despite that, though, he says he's ready and they head through the gate. But then on the other side, 
It's not some other planet, but it's back in the hospital. And Apophis is there in all of his regalia wearing his Mickey Mouse hat that we haven't seen (laughs) since the first season. Apophis accuses Tilk of being afraid to die. And Tilk's like, no, I'm doesn't. And Apophis is like, you know, I'll be waiting in the afterlife for you, lols. (laughs) Tilk is continuing to have this conversation with Apophis. But then all of a sudden, it's just a room full of old guys and a nurse comes in and asks what Tilky's doing there and if he's lost. And Apophis is gone. Tilk is like, no, I'm fine. Just in the wrong room. Totally fine. But then Apophis is there again and says that he can't escape his fate. So far. So far. And then we're in the gate room yet again. <laughs> Jack is yelling at him again to, yeah, we got to keep things going. Braytac's waiting for you. Tilk is like, something's wrong. But he doesn't really know what is wrong. Dak yells up to shut the gate down. And suddenly Tilk starts screaming because his symbiote is gone. And he collapses to the floor. And they yell for a medical team. And then we are in a totally different place. Yep. A totally different planet. Completely different. And now for something completely different. There's a bunch of dead Jaffa everywhere. Yeah, like like everywhere. Everywhere. Tilk and Braytac are there. They are the only ones alive. Mm-hmm. And we watch Barely. Tilk, yeah, take a symbiote from Braytac's pouch and put it in his own. Yeah. And so that gross. was gross. It was very gross. And at this point, I wrote things we get answers to later, but like, yeah. like how long till symbiotes die within the Jaffa? There's a whole field of dead Jaffa. Can't they just take right? A- <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking, too. Like, there's got to be somebody who's still got their hagfish alive in there. But then I was thinking, like, it's actually really messed up that the gold are so into fighting each other. Because they every time they slaughter yeah. Jaffa or the Jaffa slaughter each other, they're killing off their own people, too. That's true. In, like, very true. I mean, I guess they're super evil, so they don't care. Yeah, and they're but, but they're also like using their Jaffa as pawns, essentially. But yeah. in doing that, they're also using their own babies as pawns. Yeah, it's it's so messed up. It but, really is. Yeah, yeah. But it's fine because none of it was real. Because next thing we know, we're in <laughs> T and Shauna's bedroom, and she's there telling him he was just having a nightmare, and he's like, "But I was in the hospital." And Shauna says, "Yes, you were, but." The surgery went fine, and now you're home. (laughs) T doesn't even remember coming home from the hospital, so he is very disturbed. Shauna just keeps trying to convince him that he's fine, everything's fine. Bray is also fine. Everything's fine. Teal'c then starts telling Shauna about how he keeps having this weird dream, and when he's there, he feels like this current life is a dream and then when he's in this current life it feels like the other life is a dream and it's weird and confusing to him life could be and it reminded me very much of other plots that we've seen in star trek before because i'm pretty sure we saw a plot like that in voyager with harry kim didn't we i think so yeah God, it's been although that would have been way later on yeah after this episode would have happened if we're talking about voyager but in any case we've definitely seen plots like that in star trek yeah. Shauna kisses him and asks, how can that not be real? But then they're in the hospital again, and it wasn't real. <laughs> yeah. Or is this just later? I don't know. It doesn't Who really knows? matter. <laughs> Bray is there and asks how T is feeling, and T is like, I am fine, and how are you? Bray is like, oh, they didn't tell you that my body's rejecting your kidney and that I'm dying? <laughs> so he is apparently on a whole bunch of anti-rejection drugs. And they're trying to keep him alive. And that's not working well. But T tells him to hang in there and they'll figure something out. Yeah. And then there's a nice zooming out to outside the hospital room, I thought, from there. I don't know. This is just a really well done episode as far as transitions. Yeah, it really was. It was great. Yeah. Next, though... T is back having another session with Dr. Daniel Jackson. He asks how Bray is doing and T tells him his body is rejecting the kidney. Daniel's like, well, you knew that could happen. And you've done everything possible to save him. T is like, I didn't do this so Bray would just die. This sucks. 
Daniel then asks him why he's going through this, why this is happening, your nightmares, all of this stuff. T says the nightmares are gone. And then Daniel's like, but aren't you dreaming of some secret military operation (laughs) underground? T assumes that Shauna told him, but Daniel says no. He just knows and it doesn't matter why. Yep. (laughs) It's starting to become even a little bit more obvious that, yeah, maybe this Daniel Jackson character is not just a dream like everybody else's. Yeah. We're seeing hints that it could actually be the real Daniel. They get up and they start walking around. Daniel tells him they've talked about this before and T just doesn't remember and he doesn't remember the operation or getting out of the hospital. So tell me about your dreams again. So he starts talking about his SG-1 times. (laughs) He explains that Jonas Quinn is a probie, probationary fireman. (laughs) He tells him about what their team does. He says even in this dream he's having, he's not even human. He's a Jaffa. He carries around a symbiote that helps keep him alive. Daniel says it's something like a kidney that you might be hesitant to give up, huh? (laughs) Where does Bray fit in your dream? And Tilk's like, I don't even know what's real anymore. Which one's the dream? Who knows? Daniel is like, maybe neither of them is real. If you can't tell the difference between them, maybe... You don't belong in either of them. I suppose that's a valid line of reasoning. Yeah. And Daniel tells him what he needs to do is just hang in a little while longer. Yeah. Which is pretty much word for word what he told to Jack when he was waiting to be rescued. So yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is totally Dan- the actual yeah, Daniel. Yeah, actual Daniel. Mm-hmm. Daniel starts to leave and Teal's like, you can't leave me. And Daniel's like, I haven't left your side and I'm not going to. Yep. Which is also, which is also word for word what yeah. he said to, to Jack. Yeah. And then Jack's hand is on Teal'c's shoulder, and suddenly we're... In the gate room! Teal'c is on the ground, still upset about his missing hagfish, but Fraser's made it. Everyone's telling him it's going to be okay, he just needs to hang in there. Fraser asks how long he's been without his symbiote. He's currently dressed in the same clothing he was wearing on the planet with Braytek, so it's seeming like this is finally... (laughs) maybe real yeah <laughs> life because <laughs> in the other scene where he realized that he didn't have his symbiote and he was collapsed on the ground he was wearing like his normal earth clothes but he's wearing his jaffa robes here tilk is talking about how they need to save braytak and fraser's like well we're doing our best but right now we're kind of worried about what's going on with you Hammond comes in and asks what happened, and Jack talks about there being a setup from the get-go. There was supposed to be a meeting of rebel leaders, but it was just a big ambush. And there are hundreds of Jaffa dead. So, yeah, now it's pretty definitive to us all that they are talking about what really happened, and this is finally not a hallucination or a dream or whatever. Braytak and Tilk were the only ones left alive. They were left for dead, but somehow managed to not actually be dead and then managed to survive for the next three days by sharing a symbiote. Braytak was completely unconscious, so it was really just up to Tilk to hopefully wake up frequently enough to switch the hagfish back and forth, yeah. which apparently he was doing. Jeez. Hammond asks how long two Jaffa can survive with only one symbiote between them. And I was thinking to myself, well, at least three days, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Sam says they have no idea. And up until a couple of hours ago, they wouldn't have thought that it was at all possible. Yeah. So they're going to let Fraser go and do some doctoring. And they're going to break and meet in the briefing room in an hour. They did say in this scene, too, that every single dead Jaffa had their symbiotes removed, which is Oh, like, I missed that part. Okay. That's, yeah. So they answer that question of why they couldn't just take one from one mm-hmm. of the Jaffa. But that was, that's so fucked up. Right? Like, yeah, and, really and how did they, Teal'c end up with his, just his left? Did he get there late? Yeah. I don't know. Right. Yeah. How did Teal'c have not get his removed? Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Is that how they killed them? Like, were they killed in battle or somehow they just go through and take all their symbiotes out and then they all just died from that? I don't know. Do you think they have tiny little rings that they can stick in there and (laughs) them out? Maybe. (laughs) Part of their their apartment living, they get little rings. They have little ring ring bases in there. (laughs) The team reconvenes with Dr. Frazier and Hammond. Dr. Frazier says that they've 
managed to stabilize Tilk by doing the same thing, swapping the hagfish back and forth between the two of them. She does not know how long this can go on. Not for very long, it seems like. Jonas asks if they can just get another symbiote. Sam says it's basically impossible to find a symbiote not already being used. What about that whole planet with the Tok'ra Queen that is no longer alive, granted, but they had the giant aquarium of symbiote babies. They did, but those had, like, no memory. Do they need a memory in order to... Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's true. Like, so it, just to be, like, in the little pouch incubator, would that yeah. be a problem? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they killed all the babies after... Well, they didn't because that... That planet does come up later. It comes up later, but is that where they got those hagfish or are they just taking them from Jaffa now? Because the Tok'ra, would they have a problem with using Ajiria's offspring even though it wasn't properly like... Anyway, I, I don't whatever. know. I assumed that it was just from their aquarium was full yeah. of baby hagfish. And also yeah. I thought that she has supposedly like fixed the problem with them. She fixed... She I think she the fixed the problem babies with... Babies being faulty them but i don't think they could continue to use the tritonin after she fixed them i think she saved the people who were on the tritonin but i don't know anyway anyway tritonin meanwhile (laughs) meanwhile general hammond says they got yeah spoiler spoiler they're gonna use tritonin general hammond mentions they did contact the tokra to see if they could do anything and jacob is on his way there Jack wants to know if they have to choose between Braytac and Tilk what they're going to do. Hammond says they need to think about the fact that Tilk seems to have already made a choice. Then they're like, well, maybe it won't come down to that. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. We're back in the gate room and Jacob is there. And they take him to the infirmary. Tilk and Braytac are laying in there and Jonas is talking to Fraser about how he's doing. Tilk is asking for Shauna, which Fraser hears as Shanak and just makes a brief mention of that being an important person in Tilk's life. Again, no mention more, of more important than Ryak or, or Jack. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. She says that according to Jaffa legend, his life could be flashing before his eyes right now. And suggests that Jonas talks to him to Help him stay motivated. Tilk calls him Proby. <laughs> and Jonas is like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> Jacob comes in with Sam, Jack, and Hammond. Fraser says all three of them are critical. And Jack's like, three? And obviously she meant the hagfish, the one hagfish they're sharing, in addition to Tilk and Braytac. So that's when Jacob pulls out the Tritonin. There's the juice. And that's what they're going to use. Sam says that it supplanted the immune system of the Pangaran, so why wouldn't it do the same for the Jaffa? We had actually been talking about like whether or not Jaffa could use this to free themselves, because yeah. wouldn't it be better to be dependent on that medication than a hagfish? But Fraser actually said that it was designed for humans, and so the Tritonin, as she was testing it before, would not have been able to fix a Jaffa immune system. But Jacob says they've been working on it. And they've actually made a version of it that is specific to Jaffa physiology. And yes, Tilk and Braytac will be dependent on the Tritonin like the pangolins were. (laughs) But it's still better than being dead, so they've at least got to give it a try. So Hammond says, do it. Definitively. Without deferring to Jack. And I liked that. (laughs) (laughs) That he was being so decisive without asking Jack what he thought first. And then after they've done it, Tilk is still in the infirmary, and we see that Daniel Jackson is there back in his Chris Evans Knives Out sweater. Yep. Without his glasses. And I made note of that as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he says hi to Tilk. Tilk asks if he's dreaming, and Daniel's like, no, no, I just want to make sure you're okay. He lets Tilk know that Braytac is okay as well, thanks to Tilk. He tells him that he managed to keep Braytac alive for three days without ever thinking about himself. And he could have died at any moment, giving up the symbiote each time to Braytac. Tilk says this experience he's just had with all of his alternate realities and dreams is very different and it seems so real. Daniel tells him his mind took him where it needed to go to get him through this. But this, just now, is real. So... 
everything's fine. Go to sleep. And when you wake up, everything's fine. Daniel says that is a promise. Is Tilk going to have to sleep on a regular basis? I don't now know. Now that he's not going to have a hagfish? That's a good question. Or will he still need to do Kelmarim? Yeah. Because I, I thought that the whole meditation thing was giving the hagfish time to fix things. Although I don't know why sleeping wouldn't give the hagfish time yeah. to fix things either. So yeah, I don't who know. Knows. Yeah. Maybe we'll yeah. find that out. Maybe. As we go on. Yeah. Tilk goes to sleep and Daniel leaves. And I looked at the wall behind Tilk to look at the continued art of the infirmary. <laughs> there were no uh, x-rays up, but there were some uh, posters of aircraft. Yeah. One had the word lethal exclamation point yeah. in all caps, and the other said attack. Very motivating for people who yeah. are trying to heal from surgeries and injuries. You know, some nice Air Force themed art in the yeah. <laughs> in, in the infirmary with Tilk. <laughs> yeah. And I noticed that the episode ended on the same piano notes of Daniel Jackson has ascended but is still here that we've heard in a couple other episodes. All right. Daniel just can't stay away. Nope, he really can't. And that was the episode. Yeah. Did you like the episode? I did. It was a very different episode. It was. I was was thinking about how if this were like a standard episode – They'd get Teal'c and Braytac back and we'd all be watching them trying to science how to save them. Maybe Jack would go off world and try to find a hagfish. Like, <laughs> then they'd be waiting on the Toker to come and yeah. Jacob would come at the last minute. So it could have been a whole different episode, but with the same result. Yeah. But it was kind of nice to, like, go into Teal'c's dream world for this. I like that. I liked all of that, actually. <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> The firefighter thing was an interesting choice. Even in his fake imaginary life, he's trying to, like, fight and save people. And, yeah, I don't know. I liked all of that. I thought it was interesting that they chose a real place. And I wondered why they might choose that place. And I didn't check yeah. to see if that That's was... That's what I was trying to find yeah. out when I was looking at, like, the trivia for the episode. And it didn't but, actually yeah. say. But, yeah. So, I overall enjoyed it quite a lot. Um... I mean, it seems likely at this point that Daniel's going to make a comeback, having already (laughs) appeared twice this season. Yes. Um, Yeah. Also, we got, you know, a callback to the Pangolin episode. And then this is obviously a big development for the Jaffa. So we'll see how it goes. How did you like it? I had mixed feelings about it. I did like the cinematography a lot, as we've talked about. There were a lot of interesting transitions and choices with how to like frame shots and the cameras like panning through the hospital in the first scene and stuff like that but I don't like episodes where it's just so disorienting and you can't really tell what's real and what's not real I think I've mentioned that in other episodes where that's been the case I just don't like it it makes me feel stressed out fair (laughs) so I thought they did a good job with the episode and I did think it was well written it's just that I personally don't like that type of story okay so, yeah, so that's why I have mixed feelings about it, because, again, I like the cinematography. I do feel like it was well written and a good episode, but I don't like feeling stressed out when I'm watching it because you don't know what's real or what's happening and why things are happening yeah. the way they are. So, so yeah, that was my that was my opinion. Fair. fair. Yeah. Yeah. This is not related to anything we've talked about, but I was sort of having like a very strong like sensory feel about this episode when they're in the firehouse and they're like Mm. all getting ready in their stuff because i can totally smell the fire outfits like i remember what they smell like my father was a volunteer fireman and i just remember that smell anyway yeah that has nothing to do with anything but like i can see it was reminding me a lot of when i was a volunteer emt and granted it was only like six months that i was and i wasn't a firefighter but like we were around the firefighters sure, a lot sure. and like yeah. associated with them very strongly. So it reminded me a lot of my brief yeah. time as an EMT. Yeah. 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 Um, so I guess what's next? Season six, episode 20. Damn. We're in the home stretch. Yeah. Season six. The episode is called Memento. SG-1 accompanies the X-53 on its maiden voyage into deep space. <laughs> When the ship suddenly drops out of hyperspace, SG-1 is stranded with no means of getting back to Earth. Hmm. (laughs) Haven't we been here before? I feel like we have. Yeah. (laughs) 
Their only option lies in exploring a nearby planet where a Stargate is thought to be located, but O'Neill must first convince its inhabitants that they come in peace. A debate that could mean the end of SG-1. Ooh. Mm. This sounds like multiple episodes we've seen. It does. Combined together. <laughs> yes, it does. Oh, I'm not on the right page for the TVDB. Hang on. The TVDB says Prometheus is forced to land on an alien world where the local Stargate is the team's only chance of returning home, though oh. the local population believe the gate to be a myth. That Ooh. sounds like a quite different story. Yeah, right? Is that the X-53? I thought the I Prometheus thought was, was the a... X-303. Me too. Yeah. Maybe the booklet just got it wrong again. I think the booklet is wrong. I'm pretty sure the X-303 is supposed yeah. to be the Prometheus. What does yeah. the internet say? Well, when I type in X-303, it wants to autofill the rest of it with Prometheus. Okay. If I Google X-53 and SG-1, all that comes up is one wiki about that episode specifically, Memento. Weird. So do they actually make a mistake in the episode itself and call it the X-53? Who knows? Maybe maybe it just has somewhere in there the text of what's written in the booklet. Oh, yeah, well, I maybe. guess we'll find out. Well, according to uh, www.gateworld.net and also stargate.fandom.com, the X-303 is the Prometheus. So yeah, yeah I think we're not right. misremembering. No. <laughs> All right, good. I'm glad my brain's not that non-functional. No. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate your listening to us. Not to interrupt, but they're talking about... Okay, so if if this is, in fact, the X-303, the episode here is talking about it going on its maiden voyage, but technically its maiden voyage was when it was stolen? Maybe it's a legitimate maiden voyage. Oh, I see. <laughs> With the champagne bottle and everything. Yeah, maybe. Okay. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast if you've not done so. We would appreciate it if you could like it anywhere you can, review it where you can. Woo. We like those things and appreciate you when you do them. Uh, please tell your friends and family about this podcast. If you would like to be in touch with us, you can do so in several ways. We have an email address, stargatesing at gmail.com. We also have a website, stargatesing.space, which has the option to contact us with words in writing <laughs> and also orally. Yes, thank you. I'm very good. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, wait, that doesn't work. Words are both things. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to use words. You could send us a drawing. I don't know if you can do it on the website, you but can. if yeah. you wanted to, you could send us a drawing or some other means of communication. Yeah. Smoke signals? Yeah. A video of smoke signals? <laughs> yeah. You don't have to be really close for us to see actual smoke <laughs> Unless signals. Unless you happen to be in Connecticut and <laughs> don't set buildings on fire. No. No. <laughs> you can also find us on social media on Instagram at Stargatesing and also on Mastodon.world. We are also at Stargatesing. And if you are feeling generous, you can go to Patreon.com slash Stargatesing and... Sign up for bonus episodes and also help us continue to do this podcast well. Yay! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm Kathy. And I'm Mary. And you have been listening to Stargazing. The end. The end. Two. Made it through two. Two, baby. Boom.